0: Morning. A couple things, uh, just kind of bring to your attention. First, Uh, we want to be praying for Helen Westfall this week as uh, she's going into emergency surgery, and uh, so just keep her in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, We also want to celebrate Megan, Megan Gray, and her new fiance Zach. There. He didn't ask my permission, so I'm not. So congratulations to, uh, to the both of you. So we've been going through, through the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in the second half of uh, Philippians chapter 3. And, and Philippians is an awesome book. Yeah, we want to encourage you and challenge you. You know, don't, don't just come here and, and hear a message preached, you know, and sing. Spend time hanging out. Go back. Read through it. Study it. Learn it. See what Paul is telling us. See his, how he's telling us to live. Philippians is an awesome book about the joy kind of in the journey, about the progress in our faith. And, and that's why I love Philippians, because it's, it's a very applicable book. Uh, and you look at a guy like Paul and all that he's been through, yet, man, joy for the gospel, joy for the pursuit of Christ. And, and so it's a challenging book. I encourage you, you know, get in, read it, study it. Not Don't just come here and listen, but go back and study the Word get into it, read it through uh, time and time again. So we're in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read in verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Here's what it says. Not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take view of such things, and if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again even with tears, God, we thank you for your word. God, we want to be challenged, not only this morning, but in our lives, to go back to study, to learn what it is, to have a mindset of longing for you, to realize our home is not here, to realize that we have a citizenship in heaven. God, we want to pursue you. We want to pursue your son, and we want you to teach us how to do it. Teach us what it looks like. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, we've been talking even this morning about the gospel, right? We, we see the video in Awana. and we want our kids to know and understand the gospel, to live the gospel out. Nick challenged us that that's not something just for Iwana, that's something for all of us. As a church, we want to be people that the gospel's real in our life, that it's lived out in our life, that we're sharing the gospel with other people. And as I read through Philippians chapter 3, and I, and I see kind of some three, three huge uh, ideas, concepts, uh, theology here in, in Philippians 3, when talking about this idea of salvation. So as we read through it, I kind of want to hit those three things in dealing with having a relationship and knowing Jesus. The, the first is this idea of justification, to be justified. The second one is, is sanctification, that we're, we're sanctified, that we're set apart, that we live differently. And then the last one is glorification. One day we'll be glorified. And here's the deal. It starts with justification. The other two aren't going to happen if there's no justification. So I want to read. This is a verse Mark shared last week with us. I'm going to steal it really quick. It says this. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Justification is us asking the question, can I stand before a blameless, a holy, a perfect God who knows no sin and say, I don't deserve hell? Justification is to come before God and realize, no, I don't measure up. It doesn't add up. I've fallen short. I've sinned. My life is not worthy of how I live to be with God. And justification says one thing Jesus. Jesus. Justification is a place, is a position that we have only through faith in Jesus. That the only reason, as Paul says right here, I am found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Justification, to be justified is through knowing Jesus, through understanding that Jesus, fully God, remember Philippians chapter 2, fully God becomes a man, fully God, fully man, comes to earth. What did he do? For our sin, for our shame, he went to the cross and he died for me. What happened from there? Jesus dies, three days later, he raises from the dead, conquers death, shame, and hell for us. Justification is me believing in Jesus, me having a hope and knowing my eternity is set because nothing I did, it's effortless. There's nothing I have to do. It's through Jesus alone. It's through the finished work on the cross. It's through Jesus conquering death and hell and raising from the dead. My position is secure because nothing I did but what Jesus has done. And Paul points us to that. And when we talk about this idea of the gospel and wanting our kids to know the gospel and wanting to be a church that shares the gospel, this is where it begins. It begins with Jesus, right? begins with that relationship with Jesus, to know that my future is secure, to know that I am now in right standing with God, not because of me, not because of what I've done, but through Jesus alone. And my faith in him is that avenue to it, that channel to Justification. It's through Jesus alone. That's where Paul begins us. That's where we start, is being justified, being made right in God's eyes. Again, not through ourselves, but through Jesus alone. And if you're not in that position, that, that's where it begins. Nothing else really matters until we have been justified, until we've been made right in God's eyes through the cross. And I encourage you, I challenge you, if you've not been there, to understand it, to know it, to study it, to realize what Jesus has done for us in the cross, to realize through his death and resurrection, I can be right before God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. I am right only through the finished work of the cross, only through Jesus alone. Sanctification, and this is where we're going to spend most of, of the morning. We'll come back to it. But to be sanctified means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means not to be like the world. I was speaking at Des Moines Christian recently, and I didn't want to use this illustration here. It's a little more uh, juvenile, childish. But I, uh, I had a dirty diaper, okay? And uh, you'll thank me for not using this illustration here. But what I did is I, I you know, it was, it was pretty nasty, a couple of days old. I threw it in a sack, went, in, went into Des Moines Christian, and was speaking at their spiritual emphasis retreat, and I grabbed Trey Nesbitt. Many of you know Trey Nesbitt. He used to be like this. He's 6'5 now, all right? He's huge. So I've got Trey come down here. So I had Trey come down, you know, reach into the sack. And he's like, you serious, man? And there it was, you know, a poopy diaper sitting there. It was nasty. It smelled. It was ugly. And I, wanted, I had him kind of walk it around to the whole crowd. And I wanted to show him, because we were talking about Colossians chapter 3 and talking about the old man, that our sin, this is what we look like. This is what it looked like. It's nasty. It's ugly. It's filthy. This is how we used to live. Before we knew Jesus... Before we were justified, before justification happened, this is what we lived. This is how we lived. These are the things we did in Colossians 3. Here's some of the things that it talks about. Uh, Colossians 3, 4 through 9, it says, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. This is how we used to live. Before I knew Jesus, before I was changed by the cross. Before I was changed by what he did for me, this is how I lived. It's the old man, the old self, the things in which I used to do. And there's something happens, right? We trust in Jesus. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we are justified. We are changed. We were made right before God by what Jesus has done. And now there's a new way to live. And that's what it talks about in Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14, it says, these are the things now that we are a new man, this is how we should live. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another, forgive, and love. This now that we have been justified is how we should live our life. When we talked about being sanctified, when we talked about being set apart, these are the things we should be doing. And I pulled that dirty diaper out. Now, imagine changing, you know, a little baby, right? You take the diaper off. If you've got a little kid, you remember this. Some of it has been a while. But what do you do? You clean the baby up, right? Now, imagine for a second if I threw that diaper right back on. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? But so many times, that's how we live. We come before God, oh, I'm sorry. God, I screwed up. You know, I, you know I'm sorry I did that. And then we go right back to the old man. We go right back to that filth and that garbage, and we live how we lived before. But Paul challenges us here to live differently, to be different, to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be different than the world, to, to live in that new man, sanctified, different, set apart. The last thing, and we're going to come back to that here in a second, sanctification part, is glorification. Let me read the last verse in Philippians chapter 3. Here's what it says. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we'll be like his glorious body. This is what we long for. This is what we look forward to. One day, because of Jesus again, we're going to be glorified. There's this idea of glorification that one day I'm going to look like Jesus. Won't that be awesome? No sin, nothing wrong. I'll be perfect. One day. Again, no effort. It comes through faith in Jesus. It comes through a relationship with Jesus. Just like justification that i made right before God because of my trust and the hope that I put in Jesus. Same thing, effortless. Jesus is going to do it for me because I believe and I trust in him that will be an awesome thing to be like Jesus someday, someday. There, there are some people who follow Christ that would tell us that in this lifetime, we can look like Jesus. In this lifetime, we can be perfect. We can be as Jesus did. But here, here's my issue with that. And we'll get back in here, jump into to, to verse 12. If you've, got, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, open. Verse 12. This is Paul talking. Now, I want you to get an idea of who Paul is, right? We, many of us know who Paul is. Paul's been a Christian for probably almost 40 years right now. Paul is a guy who's written a lot of the New Testament. If there is a guy who could say he was like Christ or had reached that, wouldn't, wouldn't it be Paul? Doesn't it make sense that it, Paul would be the guy? But what does he say? Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to take in hold of it. Here's a guy who says, no, not yet. Paul longs for that. Paul wants to be with Jesus. Paul wants to be like Jesus. Paul wants to follow Jesus with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. But he recognizes, no, someday, glorification, when I'm glorified, I will be like Jesus. And what a day that will be when I'm perfect, when I'm as God had originally created me to be, it'll be perfect. But not yet. Not yet. If there's anybody who could have obtained it, it seems like it would have been Paul, but Paul didn't. Instead, he says, no, I have not reached it. I have not obtained it. I'm not there yet. I do not consider myself you have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's Paul telling us? Is Paul telling us to completely forget our past? That wouldn't make sense because a few verses later, he just gave us his past. He was just talking about it. Part of being set apart and being different is not living, remember, like that old man, not living how we used to live, not doing the things that we used to do before we knew Jesus, before we had a relationship with Jesus. Remember, we're supposed to be different now. Now that I know Jesus, now that I know who he is and what he's done for me, I'm to live differently. My life's to look different. But it doesn't mean we just completely throw the past out. It doesn't mean we never talk about the past. Here's the reality. A guy like Paul knows his past. Now, he doesn't want to live his past. He doesn't want to go back to his past. But when we are able to actually talk about our past, is when we know we've dealt with our past. I think of, you know, my best friend here, Tim. And Tim is a guy who has openly talked about, you know, just, just some things in his past. And God has now taken that and used that for his kingdom. Reminds me of Paul, and I don't want to always say that about Tim, yeah, you're welcome. But Paul, with his past, uses his past now for the kingdom of God. He doesn't dwell on the past, He doesn't let the past control him, but he uses the past for the furtherment of the gospel, for the pursuit of the kingdom. I see with Tim, I see with others, people who can say, you know what, this is my past. You know, it's ugly, it's disgusting, it's whatever. But now, God has changed me, God is going to use it, God is going to further his kingdom because of it. We live with a bunch of people, there's nobody perfect here, right? I tell my wife that all the time. I'm not perfect. Give me a break. You can look at your spouse and say the same thing, okay? We live. We are imperfect people. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to sin. We are going to fall short. That's what's awesome about the church, and that's why the church is supposed to be what it is, a community, a group of people who can encourage, who can challenge. You can say, Kyle, you know, quit being an idiot. Quit doing that. That's not how you're supposed to live maybe because they've been there, maybe because they recognize it. But that's why we are the church. That's why we encourage you to get into small groups. That's why we encourage you to get together with, with, with even smaller groups to challenge each other to get into the Word, to challenge each other with sin in our life, to challenge each other to share the gospel of Jesus. Because we're a church, and we want to not forget the past, but leave it behind and press forward for the furtherment of the gospel. Don't let the past control you. It's easy, you know, whether I've wronged people in my past or was some somebody's wronged me, it's the same. We can let that past control our life, can't we? Oh, you know, my parents, they were awful. I mean, I'm screwed up because of them. Oh, we can take that's I'm not saying that for myself. I mean, <laughs> I would never say such words. But, you know, we, I mean we can blame circumstances and let it control us, can't we? But Paul is challenging us. You know what? Take the past. You've been changed. You've been made new. You are a new creation, a new man. Take that. Now, for the furtherment of the gospel, use it. May God use our experiences. May God use our faults. May God use the cracks in our life to do an amazing work, not only in our lives, but in the lives of people around us. Forget the past and press forward. Look forward to the goal. Verse 15, Paul says this, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if one, and on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. To be mature, what does it mean to be mature? Well, it seems maturity would be that, kind of that perfection, you know, kind of that I got it all together. But Paul gives us a great picture of what maturity is, right? I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. See, so the problem is there's so many people in life, they think they got it all figured out, don't they? They think they know all the answers. They've got it all. But that's why I love Paul, because his very words right before here is, I've not obtained it. I don't have it all figured out. What, an, what a refreshing thing that here's a guy said, says, hey, here's my past. I screwed up, but I'm, I'm going after Jesus. I'm running hard after Jesus. And you're going to maybe screw up along the way. You will screw up along the way but man, that we continue to run after and to pursue Jesus with our heart, all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love the Lord, my God, with all that, to pursue it. And that's why I love this picture of what Paul is, because he's someone who has been broken, beaten, and yet here he is. How, despite it all, I'm going to pursue Jesus. I've made mistakes, I've screwed up, but I'm going on. I'm pushing forward. I'm running for that goal. I'm running for that prize. That's maturity. And those are the kind of people that we can follow, aren't they? Broken, hurt, yet passionate for Jesus. And that's what that's what God wants from us. Not to, not to think that we've attained it, not to think that we have all the answers, but to be teachable, to be approachable. What a refreshing thing. And man, to, to have, I know, some, some awesome times in my life is when people have come up to me, Kyle, you know what? You need to do this. You need to do that. How do I respond to that? Am I teachable? Am I approachable? Or I say, you know what? You don't have a clue. Get lost. Maturity is realizing man, there are cracks in my life, and what what to have a family, to have people around me that can challenge me to pursue Jesus, that can challenge me with sin in my life, that can challenge me with where I'm failing in my life. Man, that's an awesome thing. That's what the church is to be. That's why we do small groups. That's why we. We get together because we want to encourage each other to follow Jesus through all our imperfections, all our struggles, and that we're here for each other. We pick each other up. Sometimes, you know, we just gotta kick each other in the butt and and keep going and move forward. That's what we gotta have sometimes. That's maturity. That's what it is. Continues on only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is a great reminder this is what justification, that we've already attained it, then I am not pursuing Jesus to attain it, but because I have Jesus, that's why I'm doing it. Paul's saying, because I know Jesus, that's why I'm running the race. That's why I'm following him. That's why I'm going hard after it. See, this idea of being sanctified, this idea of being set apart is different than the other two. It's different than justification or glorification because those have nothing to do with us. That's all to do with Jesus. It's all because of what he's done for us. But to be sanctified and to be set apart, and that requires effort. We've talked about it before. Living the Christian life is not easy. Read through the Gospels. It was not easy. These guys struggled. It was hard. It was difficult. It was rewarding, but it's not easy. To be sanctified and to be set apart and to be different, it, it actually takes some effort. Now, we've got some help, don't we? I mean, the Holy Spirit, God has given us the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with Jesus. But to be sanctified and set apart, man, it, it, it takes effort. Now, this effort, again, what Paul is telling us, no, I'm not doing this so I can have that relationship with Jesus. I'm doing it because I already have it, because I already know Jesus, because of what he has already done for me. That is why I'm running hard after him. That's why I'm pursuing him. Continues on, verse 17, it says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Here's Paul, and what's Paul telling us? Paul is telling us, hey, follow my example. Are we following the example of a guy who's perfect? No, we've talked about it. Here is a guy who's mature. Here is a guy who has made mistakes, still is not perfect. He's already just told us that. He's not already obtained it but he's pursuing it. And through the struggles, he's growing, and he's beginning to look more like Jesus. That's the awesome thing. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize our imperfections, the more we realize our need for him, the more we realize there needs to be serious and significant change in our life. And as our relationship with him, it grows and deepens, man, oh yeah, I need to quit doing that or I need to start doing that. There needs to be some serious change in my life. So Paul just gives us that, that, that great example of someone who, yeah, loves Jesus, who isn't perfect, but yet he's pursuing it with everything he's got. He's running hard after Jesus. And he knows. I mean, it's, it's a struggle, right, for some of us who, you know, we want to be perfect. We, you know, we're perfectionists to know that we can't really attain that. But yet here he is giving us a picture of someone, okay, yeah, you know what, not in this life, but for now, we still want to look like him. For now, we still want to pursue him with everything we are. Verse 18, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame, their mind is is on earthly things. Let me read that again. As I have told you, and say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame, their mind is on earthly things. This is the old man. This is the way in which before we knew Jesus, we used to live. And Paul is telling them, and maybe even in the church, and probably even in the church, that there are people in the church that don't have that relationship with Jesus, that haven't experienced the first thing we talked about, that idea of justification, that haven't been made right before God. And Paul, he's in tears for them, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if I had that kind of heart for people that don't have a relationship with God, that haven't been made right before God through Jesus? And he is in tears for probably for how they're living and the fact that they're apart from God. And I want to be moved like that. When we talk about the gospel, when Nick was talking about us being a church, we want to reach our children, but us as a church taking this message, taking the gospel into all the world. Man, imagine if I had that kind of heart. that For my lost friends, for, for my, my friends and family that did not know Jesus, that were apart from a relationship with Jesus, that I hurt that much, that I was in tears for them. Man, that I, that I anguished over them not knowing Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus. That's who he is. He longs for people to have a right relationship with God through what he's done for them on the cross. That's what what Paul is telling us here. He's in tears for these people. And here's the contrast between the two. There are people, right, even within the church, that their mind is on earthly things. Their stomach is their God. All they care about is this world. All they care about is this life. They're concerned with one thing, the here and the now, and all about themselves. And then Paul contrasts it. All right, that's how the world lives, right? That's how the old man lives. Those are the things that before you knew Jesus, that's how you lived. But now there is a way to live that is different. And here's the secret Paul gives us. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior From there, our citizenship is in heaven. What's Paul telling us? What's he challenging us with? This place, this world is not our home. This is not where we belong. And your life is going to be different, is going to be changed dramatically if I realize that. If I realize my citizenship is in heaven. If I realize the place I belong is heaven. If I have the heart like Paul does, who gives us a great example, and I eagerly await a Savior from there, how awesome would that be? How different would my life be lived if I eagerly awaited Jesus? If I couldn't wait for him to return, if I couldn't wait for, to, to, to be with him, and my life would look so different. The things that are important, the things that, that I hold dear, wouldn't matter. They wouldn't matter. Because I would eagerly await Jesus. And Paul's challenge to us is don't, don't set your mind on earthly things. There are people who their stomach is their God, who are all about the here and the now, who have set their mind on earthly things. That's not us. That's not us. People who have been justified, who have been changed, who, who know and have a relationship with Jesus are to live differently. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await Jesus. And if we did that, if we eagerly awaited him, and you talk about living a sanctified life, you talk about living differently, you talk about living separate as the world does, man, I think we would, wouldn't we? If that was my longing to be with Jesus, if my longing was to be like and to be with Jesus, I would live different. You would live different. Man, that we would have the heart of Paul, that we would follow his example, not a He's not perfect, doesn't claim to be. But he takes his past and he uses it for the kingdom. And here is a man who says, my citizenship is in heaven. I eagerly await Jesus. Someday, remember the, how the chapter ends, it ends like this, Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What a promise. One day, I'm going to be like Jesus. One day, I'm going to be perfect. I long for that. We should long for that, to one day be with him, to one day be like him. Until then, here we are, right? Going through it together, trying to live sanctified lives together, pursuing Jesus together, and we need each other. I think the Bible is clear that we need the church. We need others to come alongside and challenge us in that. Until we look like Jesus, we come together to sing and worship him, to remember him in the bread and the juice, to remember what he's done for us on the cross, and to eagerly await his return. The band's going to come back up here, and we're going to continue to worship, and we're going to continue to remember Jesus. But man, be challenged, be encouraged to live different, to remember that our citizenship, not here, it's not the here and the now, but we eagerly await to be with Jesus, man, to be with him. Until then, man, let's remember what he's done. Let's remember that we are justified not by our own works, but by the finished work of the cross. Let me pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the church. We thank you that you've given the church so that we can do this together, that I can pursue you and your kingdom with others helping me. I can't do it alone. And God, you've given us a family and friends here to help us do it. God, may we be people who challenge each other and encourage each other and and occasionally have to call each other out in this pursuit of Jesus. God, we thank you that... uh, one day, we're going to look like Jesus. One day, we're going to be perfect. God, until then, help us to eagerly await Jesus. Help us to realize this is not our home. Help us to long to be with you and to be like you. And until then, we want to remember and we want to worship your son. And so we, we think of the bread and the juice and we pray for that now we thank you for jesus and his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for me we thank you for the finished work on the cross that i amazingly in all spite of all my sin and flaws and failures i can be right before a holy and perfect god an incredible thing it's all because of jesus So we thank you for our Savior, Jesus, and we eagerly await his return. It's in his name we pray. Amen.